Welcome to Wages of Cinema. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And we're not crap. We're here to entertain you and talk about movies and all that sort of good stuff. Jack's right. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if I want to mention it now. Bring down the show right at the start. Uh, Might as well. Yeah. We're going to have to confront it sooner or later. Yeah, Bill Paxton died. Yeah. This is just today, too, that this news came out. Yeah. Um, Bill Paxton... I, underrated hmm. underrated presence in movies because he could just show up and do his thing and be a really just solid professional actor for some reason didn't quite make it as into being a leading man even though he could play leading man but he did become a decent pretty good character actor I'd oh say. fantastic character actor the thing i remember him most like my first movie i saw with him when it was apollo 13 yeah yeah apollo Prob 13 was a big film for me probably the same for me too yeah and you know he was just you know right next to tom hanks right next to he, he's he's sandwiched between these two actors who are very recognizable and have very big personalities in their ways bill paxton's kind of like the mediator he's kind of, he doesn't really have as big a personality in that movie, no. but in a way you need that, right? Um, but I mean, when he when, now, you, when you stuff that many personalities inside of a small space capsule, yeah. one of them needs to be smaller than the other. Yeah. Plus, you got Ed Harris down in the control room. Yeah, but I mean, he was great in that. Yeah, he was fantastic, and he the thing that was great about him in that he didn't need to do too much. He was just a lot of that movie he spends acting cold because that ship, the the little capsule they're in, yeah. is really cold, so yeah. they're just kind of freezing. I just remember Bill Paxton being cold all the time in that movie. But he was... I, I've seen Apollo 13 so often, I can yeah. remember a lot of the, right. the scenes and lines from that. I'm not going to... No, no, no. I'm not going to shove those in there. See, but the lines he, that are most memorable from him are in Aliens. Yes. And he practically steals that movie. I, I wouldn't say he steals it, but I mean... He, he really makes his scenes a, memorable. When you think of a quote from Aliens, chances are you're thinking of something that Bill Paxton said. If it's not get away from her, you bitch, you're thinking of a Bill Paxton line. Yeah. You're thinking of... How can I get out of this chicken shit outfit? Get Game over, man. Game over. This is this is a bug hunt. Is this another bug hunt? 17 yeah. days? I got newsflash. We ain't got 17 hours. <laughs> that's and my it's favorite. So, that's so weird because he's... Like, in the beginning of that film, he's just so, like... He's just messing around. He's a punk. Yeah. And then when, when stuff starts to go down, he's just, he just becomes, like, the biggest... <laughs> the, he's the most emotional guy out of them a lot of the marines in that movie they're kind of like i'm a big man i'm a big badass and he's the one who's just kind of a goof yeah until things start to get terrible and then he just becomes he's a, the a audience puss. you could yeah. say <laughs> yeah he's sort of the person who the audience could kind of be a part of I mean, but but it's so believable yeah you, you could understand it's like yeah that would probably be <laughs> or you have that scene where Bishop does the little knife trick with his hand. Yeah. Ah! That wasn't funny, man. <laughs> um, also, uh, Near Dark. Have you ever seen that movie? I haven't seen Near Dark. Yeah. He is sensational in that film. There's a story. Lance Hendrickson told his story of when they were shooting Near, Near Dark. Okay. They were, they were filming in this small town. Yeah. I mean, Near Dark takes place in like rural Southwest. Right. And not necessarily Southwest, but you get the point. Yeah. Uh, 
they would shoot in a small town and the trains would come by every evening mm-hmm. and stop in the town like to do whatever and the engineer would get out and maybe take a break you know and one day bill paxton was in the makeup that he had when he got injured his character yeah like his like the way lance hendrickson describes it like his head split open yeah the bill and, paxton's a vampire in this movie yeah and so Bill Paxton decided it would be a good idea to walk up to the engineer, who knew nothing about the movie, or even that there was a movie. And he goes up to his head and says, hey man, there's been an accident. And if you think I'm bad, let's see the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that story before. It was amazing. On, it was on the that Bravo special I keep talking about. One of the scariest movie moments. Nice, nice. And again, he would just pop up in things. He over popped the up years. in Two Guns, a movie that I liked, which you were pretty lukewarm on it. He's like, uh, cow- he's, he's like cowboy hat wearing CIA guy. <laughs> oh, but in speaking of aliens, I think um, I might have remembered that more because it's like, oh yeah, that's Bill Paxton. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. Um, I but speaking about aliens, he's also in the movie Edge of Tomorrow, where he oh. was the head of this the group of. Uh, soldiers that are going onto this beach to fight all these mecha people and bill paxton is the the gen i don't know if he's the general but he's the head of this marine type group and he's amazing in that yeah he's not in that much of it but when he shows up it's like oh wow bill paxton and bill paxton's being awesome yeah there was rarely a time where i watched a movie of bill paxton and i'm like wow bill paxton did not bring it yeah I mean- he always brought it Twister, I mean, that's not a great movie, but, you know, you remember him from that. A Simple Plan? Yeah. Did you ever oh, see that movie? I remember A Simple Plan. I love that movie. Oh, man. Yeah. That, one of the moments where he really got to shine. I, I think Bill Paxton, I think part of his appeal is that he does seem pretty normal. Yeah. I, he seems like he's the baseline in the film. He's the like, person in, who... in Apollo 13... Tom Hanks is the experienced leader. Kevin Bacon is like the new guy. Yeah. And Paxton is like not as experienced as level. Definitely more experienced than. uh, But I think with with, all that, but so he provides. He's like the medium between those. And then, like in a simple plan, you have all these people planning around him, and he's trying to keep things together because he's ultimately the smartest man there. Yeah. Because this is a small town full of hicks. And they're like, well, actually, maybe we shouldn't take the money? And it's like, okay, if we're going to keep the money, let's do this in a smart way. We we watched, when I was living at my old house in Teaneck, the last thing I ever watched was actually with you, and it was something with Bill Paxton. Oh, yeah? Not exactly a movie, but it was something movie-like. Hatfields and McCoys. Oh, Do you yeah. remember that? I remember that. I don't remember. That was on the History Channel. Yes, it was with Kevin Costner. I, I forget if he was Hatfield or McCoy. I don't remember. But it wasn't a bad series. No, I mean, it had, you know, Kevin Costner, you could say what you will about his career. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can But say I mean, lot. in that script and in that miniseries, he was, he was leading. He was leading from the front. Yes. You know, and Bill Paxton was right opposite of him, and they were, they would butt heads, and they would be great in that in that miniseries. Yeah, yeah. So that's something else that popped up. And again, when he would just pop up in little roles, too, he could make it very memorable. Like, uh, the Terminator. 
Mm. He's the punk who, uh, uh, among the group of punks that uh, Schwarzenegger first meets after he comes from the future. Uh, laundry day. Nothing clean. Nothing clean, right. And and it's funny because Bill Paxton has a line in that that when I first watched the movie on TV, it was obviously edited out. Because <laughs> Schwarzenegger's like, your clothes, give them to me now. And Bill Paxton flicks up his knife and goes, fuck you, asshole! And he says it in such a way that it's just... It's kind of funny because it's Bill Paxton saying it. <laughs> Um, he also popped up in the uh, Streets of Fire, and he had like a fun little. Why are all these moment. streets on fire? <laughs> Bill Paxton, Streets of Fire. Game, game over, man. Game over. The streets are on fire. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to. Oh, and I want to throw out another recommendation too. He directed a film that I liked quite a bit, and I oh. haven't seen in a long time. He directed this movie called Frailty. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is also in it. Um, just to give you a Wait, break... good Matthew McConaughey or crappy Matthew McConaughey? Um, it's a decent... I mean, Matthew McConaughey is not a big part in it. Like, what happens is he's... Oh, a, okay. He, it's a, it's like a he's part. the... Well, he's like the adult... He He's kind of telling this story in flashback to this police officer or detective about how when he was a kid, he and his brother uh, had to help his, their father, Bill Paxton, kill people because... His father believed that this angel visited him and told him that there are all these people who have demons inside them and they have to be destroyed. So this father basically enlisted his sons to help him kill people huh. in the name of this like archangel that or, so it's basically like I'm gonna be a serial killer. You kids better help me because Yeah, Dad. Yeah. And it was just a fascinating movie um and bill paxton acted in it. he was the dad but he also directed it and he did a good job nice uh so it's a little underrated movie so there you go frailty yeah frailty um he also made a golf movie that was written by mark frost i looked this up today it was called the greatest game ever played oh i remember that which movie. i have not seen that was a disney film wasn't it yeah he directed that apparently so he was a director too. So um, imagine, I mean, you and I presumably have a long t way to go before we're dead. Uh, but I mean, imagine so. that you have a career like Bill Paxton. Do you think that ultimately a film like Frailty or The Greatest Game Ever Played? I mean, does that become your legacy? No, no, no. The, the, his legacy are his memorable roles. It's the stuff that he did in the J James Cameron movies. Because he also pops up in uh, True Titanic. Lies and Titanic. Um, oh, it's Apollo 13. Uh, he also was on the TV show Big Love on HBO for a lot of years. That was about the uh, the Mormons. Okay. Um, you know, where he has, like, the, uh, the, the multiple wives. Um, so he'll be remembered for that. I think... His directed projects will be more kind of like curiosities, maybe more compliments to those to, to those acting. It highlights. showed, yeah, it it showed that he could also do that. Like it's not he wasn't just an actor; he had other skills. He took what he learned and used it to make these films. You know, was he Clint Eastwood? No, yeah. but you know, but he but he was able to show that hey, I can make a movie too, and uh, yeah. So I raised my glass i'm not holding to i oh, raise my glass i'm holding to, well you're not really holding yes i am oh now you are 
Magic. All right. Um, so, Bill Paxton, we'll miss you. Clink. Clink. So, just to talk about a few movies uh, before we move on uh, that I just watched. Today, oh my God. I yeah. saw this movie called Get Out. We hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. smoke in front of my daughter i'm gonna quit she'd take care of that for you how hypnosis i'm good actually you ready for this i'm back in the beat so look i go do my research apparently a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb but it's cool bro how you're not scared of this man couldn't see no brother around here chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! <laughs> Bros, we gotta go. Now, let me interrupt you. Have you seen the trailer for this? I've seen... You know, and you, sometimes you have a trailer for you it. You have a little commercial. I saw a scene from it. Oh, you did? The scene with the mother stirring the cup of tea. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, Catherine Keener. Yeah, yes. she she has a... She, that's her... That's basically her way of hypnotizing people. That scene had me riveted. For the entire 30 seconds that I, think, I saw of it. I think that you would be riveted by this movie. Uh, there was a critic, I, I forget where, maybe it was in the New Yorker, who said, we we now have a new uh, Buñuel hmm. film. And in a way, I could kind of see it. More so than anything, and this movie comes from Jordan Peele, who was part of Key and Peele. He wrote and directed this movie. It's his first film. Oh, he directed it too. Yeah, wrote and directed it by himself um, for Blumhouse of all things, which sometimes they can be hit or miss in quality. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they make really good movies. Sometimes they make absolute garbage. This is not garbage. This is, if anything, not so much Buñuel, maybe a little bit, but more so Polanski. Mm -hmm. This is a heavily influenced Polanski film. Oh man, I love my Polanski. Oh, then you would dig that. Because the thing is, so in this movie you get this, um, just this regular couple, but they're interracial because the guy's black, the girlfriend's white. And they're going to visit her parents, who are out in the country. Um, and as soon as he gets out there, even before that, when they're just kind of driving up to them, they hit a deer. Uh, but it, it doesn't really hurt their car too much, except that this cop immediately comes out. It's like, all right, I want to see your ID. Uh, but he wasn't driving. I didn't ask if he was driving. I asked to see his ID. And it's this little awkward moment, but it kind of passes. And But then they go up to the house... And immediately the guy starts noticing, huh, the, the people who are like the servants and the the maids who are all black, they're seem a little bit off. They're all a little bit too, like, smiling and uh, a little bit, con like, controlled and not really knowing things like, you know, a little thing like a fist bump or something. And, and well, you, know, you know how in Polanski movies you get that kind of close-up that... It's it, it, and I know this is filmmaking talk, but if you see sometimes a Polanski movie, the character will kind of move in almost into the shot, so his whole face is in the frame. Like the camera starts low, and like the actor kneels down. Oh, a little bit more, more so. It just kind of walks into a shot. You might know it if it was in like a movie like Chinatown for sure. Okay. Maybe in Rosemary's Baby. Oh, this movie is so Rosemary's Baby. Hmm. Oh my God! If you if you like Rosemary's Baby. I guarantee you will get something out of this. I, and and the thing is, the movie, 
it it's not just that it's it's about race. It's that it can't not be about race. Yeah. And because everybody in the movie is white and except for this guy and his friend who's in another area. Um and it's just the creepy factor. You feel so nervous watching this movie. And at times it's very funny. You like at first like when when this black guy meets the girl's father, he he has he's the kind of guy who's like Oh yeah, I voted for I would vote I would vote for Obama a third time. <laughs> that's that's not awkward at all. <laughs> no, but no, you know that's the thing. All. I can't see horror films in theaters. I well, can't. It's this is a little <laughs> this is more of a psychological thriller. I understand. I mean, but you know the thing is I've realized this about myself, and you know it's it's fine. It's just like I prefer to just like get a horror film and watch it in my house. Okay, because giant screens in dark places just magnify everything to the point <laughs> where I where when something's gonna happen I feel like this. There are a lot of moments like that. I, I put my arms up in front of my face. The funny thing <laughs> the funny thing was so just off mic before we were recording, we were watching videos with this YouTube person named Poppy. Oh yeah. who is this girl if you ever look up this girl named Poppy on YouTube, she's like this girl who's stark white and she has like platinum blonde hair and she just looks especially creepy and says things in a way that you feel like oh my god there's something off about the way she acts even if what she's saying isn't this movie is filled with a lot of poppy moments there we go um so i would recommend it not just to you listening i'd recommend it to you andrew especially um so i just watched that today and i'm I'm so glad it comes out on dvd yeah, yeah, you should definitely do that <laughs> because if you can. I'm a horror film theater sissy. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I have a new, possibly favorite film of the year. Ooh. Um, it's it's a young year. Well, no, no, I mean last year. Okay. Of 2016, which got released kind of, you know, or, or in winter. You know how it gets. Yeah. Um, it's called I Am Not Your Negro. And I don't know if you've heard of this movie. No, I definitely have not heard of this. Okay, it's a documentary about. The author James Baldwin. You've okay. heard of him. Maybe he was a author who was largely consi- he was largely focused on civil rights. Uh, he knew Malcolm X McDowell. and uh, Malcolm McDowell too. That's so weird. He knew, two, knew two Malcolms at once. Um, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and the movie is co- it's supposed to the slight conceit of it is that James Baldwin. He was a writer and he died in the eighties. But before he died, he he started writing this book. That would have looked at the lives and deaths of um, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and Medgar Evers, who, of course, was killed, you know, very suddenly in a uh, um, in his driveway back in 1960. Mm-hmm. And but the, but that's kind of the jumping off point f- to look at all these different issues. It's so difficult for me to explain this, but it's just listening to this man's words, and they're read by uh, Samuel Jackson. In the movie. So is this a documentary? It is a documentary, but it's done in a unique way. It's not like talking heads talking about, oh, James Baldwin was so important for this, this, or that, or the other. It It's more of like, a, we're going to explore who this person was through his words. They also mixes in movie clips, because he had a lot of, he also talked a lot about movies. Uh, hmm. He has some interesting words about, uh, guess who's coming to dinner? <laughs> And uh, 
the lots defiant of ones have lots of interesting things to say. Well, in a, well, in a way, well, in a way to go back to get out, that would almost seemed like the, to, it's been 50 years since guess who's coming to dinner. Companion, and, companion films. Guess who's coming to dinner. Then get out. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that would be such a great double feature. First one, except it, to, except you have to sit through. Guess who's coming to fucking dinner? <laughs> first one get first one uh, sets you up in the wrong state of mind. The next one tears your life apart. Yeah, but I, if if I'm not your Negro, it made me suddenly realize uh, James Baldwin is an amazing writer hmm. and just a really great thinker. And it was like the next day after I saw this movie, I went to the library and tried to find a James Baldwin book. So I was like, I want to read more of these, this man's words. Right. And he just really impressed me a lot. And just the way that this movie's presented, the way that it mixes some of like modern things as well. Like he, there's a, a clip of him in 1965 talking about refer kind of referencing how Robert F. Kennedy once said, maybe in 40 years we'll get a black president. And, and the way that James Baldwin responds to it, he's like, so let me get this straight. So for 400 years, we've been under oppression. And now you're going to allow us in 40 years. Here's here. You can have a president. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of not saying the exact words, but it was that kind of emotion of like <laughs> yeah. bitterness. Uh, and then of course, you know, then they cut to a shot of Obama, but the way that it associates, um, the, the word juxtaposition is the word I'm using. It's a documentary that's like a masterpiece of juxtaposing images with language. And, oh, there are also some, like, industrial films, too. Like, it'll show, this black family is really happy, and black families contribute to the economy such and such billions of dollars a year. And then you hear Samuel Jackson, by the way, is amazing doing this James Baldwin narration. And he says, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. He's very subdued. It's, it's uh, not the usual Samuel Jackson, but he he says something like, "Americans can't be used to too much reality. They need their fantasy." And so I just I want to say too much like more about Alejandro it. Alejandro Jodorowsky would say, "Yeah, I guess the Americans need their fantasy. They they cannot take reality." Um, but go see this movie. Oh, speaking of documentaries, uh, one that you might possibly interested in this thing called Elstree 1976. I've um, heard of this. This is a documentary all about... I think I saw it minor... on the DVD stack. Yeah, you probably did. Uh, this is a documentary, which is more of a traditional one. This is Talking Heads. Now, These are people who acted in studio. Star Wars. Well, no, no, well, no, no, no. no. It's the... about actors in Star Wars. Oh, okay. Who were either under masks or they were bit players. So you get the guy who played Biggs... He's interviewed in the movie. David right. Prowse is interviewed in the movie. Uh, Poor David Prowse. Yeah, <laughs> except they leave out the whole part about him leaking <laughs> to. Well, uh, give him, give him. I actually didn't we'll confront that. Somebody. I actually didn't know the documentary. He he reveals in this movie that he's not allowed at certain conventions. Oh no. Yeah, like he's not allowed to attend like the main I, Star Wars. I convention. completely understand yeah. why. Yeah. But that's still kind of sad. It is. I mean, the David Prowse, Darth Vader. I was thinking about David Prowse recently, oh, yeah? and I was, and I was so struck by his situation. Okay, I mean, you become you're part of something big, uh -huh. and you want to own a piece of that, but your contribution, 
either does not or cannot be recognized because of how invisible it was. Yes. Literally, David Prowse is invisible in this. Mm-hmm. No, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, uh, he, he's in such an awkward position and it's like, well, h- how do you take the high road or how, uh, or how do you take advantage of this? Mm. And David Prowse, I don't know what I would have done in his, in his, in his situation. Yeah, I, I mean, mean he, now I should... He, he's entitled to as much credit as anybody deserves on that film, but I mean, you know... Yeah. Well, it's it's tough. Yeah, well, it, it, as Carrie Fisher once said, he was Darth Farmer because he would say Darth Vader's lines, be like, "You are part of the alliance in the traitor. Take her away." That's not quite that voice, but it's um. Yeah. But but they interview people like the guy who was under Greedo's mask. They interview the actor who played Biggs. They interview like the little actors who you don't really know, like just like the. People who were in that big... Uh, Jawas, Stormtrooper. No, no, not Jawas. No, no, but actually there is one Stormtrooper guy. And they also... But they interview people who were in that scene where they're briefing about the Death Star oh, yeah. for the Rebels. They interview like, oh, this guy that yeah. was there. And the way that the documentary will do it, they'll kind of show... They interview the guy who claims that he was the Stormtrooper who hit his head on the, the thing <laughs> and the movie does this thing where it'll kind of do like a back and forth back and forth thing like as if it's jfk this is like this is like if you went to a church in europe that had like a relic which was the toothpick jesus picked his teeth with the last we have that in our church this is what lc is. no no the, the, the movie is more than that like because they interview these people but it's not just about star wars that's why i liked about it oh okay like they they kind of interview these actors about what their early lives were like you know the fact they're all they were all working class people in england or america or canada um oh they also have an actor who you've told because we both listened to i was there too right they interview anthony forrest who was the uh, the the he was the stormtrooper who gets the first Jedi mind trick oh. from Obi Wan, and the funny thing was he was supposed to see his identification. But his story is great too because he originally was going to play another character who ended up getting cut out of the movie. But George Lucas needed just an actor to act opposite Al Guinness. He couldn't just get anybody, so he got he's asking Anthony Forrest there in Tunisia, like, "Hey, can you just come over here for a second? Hey, can you put on a stormtrooper outfit and do these lines?" Do you like, fit in the uh, costume? Yeah, right, pretty much. Um, oh, and also the movie That's looks at... there are um, no fat stormtroopers. Yeah, so it looks at these people who... They were... Like, some of them were actors, but they were, some of them ended up going on to do other things. Like, you had, like, this one woman who was, like, one of the, I guess, people in the cantina. And then, like, she's also... They show a clip from Superman, and she'll have, like... She's, like, has one line in, uh, in the Daily Planet. And she's just like, I didn't really consider myself an actor. I just did parts. See, if I was on my deathbed and it was like, what can I point to? It's like, that's my victory right there. Yeah. I was in Star Wars and Superman. Yeah. Um, but I would just, the, the thing that's cool about it is that it's not only about Star Wars. That's like the connective tissue. Right. It's really more of a look at, here are these people who, it's kind of like the I Was There too movie. All right. You could say. Because it's like full of I was there twos in Star Wars. And also, uh, for some reason, they I guess it's not just Star Wars. They also branch out to Jeremy Bullock, who was uh, Boba Fett. Right. Um, and then they also have a segment in the documentary about the convention experience. And uh, 
I let me guess. It's not flattering. No, no, no. Actually, well, they say they kind of enjoy it just because, you know, every everybody wants to see Star Wars actors, even if they have like a minor part. Yeah. But there is a little bit of a hierarchical system. <laughs> well, because you that have makes sense. Well, yes. but, well, obviously you have the main stars will come like Carrie Fisher or something, but then you have those bit players who, you know, like even somebody again like the actor who played Biggs or or you have like the one actor who, uh. The, I don't know if you remember that bit in the in the dog f- trench scene, uh, where it's the like trench run. Yeah, yeah, trench run. Stay on target. Loosen up. Stay on target. Loosen up. Poof. Yeah. Like that guy, the loosen up guy. He'll be at a convention or something. But then he looks down upon, like there'll be like he says that there's kind of like this unwritten rule where you have to have been credited in Star Wars to appear at convention because mm. sometimes you will get. People who will say that they were in Star Wars try go to these conventions, and you'll get like somebody who actually was in the movie, but they weren't credited, yeah. and they'll still be like, "Hey, I want a table. Let me sign some things," because um, it's a business, right? Um, so that was Elstree, nineteen seventy six. It's worth checking out if you like those kind of things. Um, movies, movie, well, documentaries like that, uh, and uh, really fast, uh, I, I saw. Um, a Cure for Wellness, which right. is another new movie out. Have you heard much about this movie? I've seen the trailer for it. Uh, this was a little disappointing. Okay. Um, well, it's a Gore Verbinski movie. And we talked about Gore Verbinski because we talked about Lone Ranger. Right. It, this comes from also the same screenwriter as the Lone Ranger, too. Uh, this guy, Justin Haith. I don't know if I pronounced that name right. In a way, it has slightly similar problems to Lone Ranger, where it's a little bit all over the place in structure. Um, I'm not saying necessarily, like, the pacing isn't bad so much, it's just that there's so much stuff, it's like, it's a bit of Dracula, crossed with Shutter Island, crossed with Tim Burton, crossed with this scene from Marathon Man, yeah. crossed with, uh, the does Phantom it, of the Opera, crossed Does it lack focus? Or is it um, just a matter of there's little to really connect it into a coherent narrative? Um, I mean, it starts off having a coherent narrative... But then it all. But the movie strains a lot of plausibility and has a lot of plot holes. Mm-hmm. It also seems like the kind of thing where, again, when you watch Shutter Island, that movie takes place in the early fifties, and you can kind of get the period sense of it. Right. But this movie's supposed to take place now in twenty seventeen, and it's really hard to buy how they present things. Yeah. In this universe, so. It's it, it takes place in the twenty first century, but it has but it has a mid twentieth century. Sometimes aesthetic. even early twentieth century, right? Like gothic. This movie is a he he loves his gothic horror, something fierce. This I, guy. Yeah, that's okay. It's just that it's hard for us to buy that someone would go to like a gothic style sanitarium. Oh, whatever. I could buy it up to a point, and like in the movie, the guy like this character is sent by his company to try to bring back somebody home who's there. Um, Colonel Kurtz. Yeah, I guess you could. No, not not quite Apocalypse Now, but uh, but then he becomes a patient, and oddly enough, the other weird thing too, I was mentioning this to Corey that the week before Get Out comes out, this came out. This came out one week after the other, and slightly similar premises because you have a character going to this remote location, and everything feels a little weird. And then they're kind of caught up in well, that, this thing they can't get out that's of. That's one of the basic templates for horror. It is. It's just I mean, it's that, funny that they're. It's just funny that these two movies 
come out one week after the I, other. You're talking about displacement and unfamiliarity. That's Psycho. That's Sex, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's uh, Rosemary's Baby. Or Dr- Dracula. Degree. Dracula. And Dracula, yeah. of course, is the mother of all those stories. The first half of Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, this this is so much Dracula to the point where the main actor Dane DeHaan almost sounds a little bit like Keanu Reeves. So I I thought about him in Dracula. Um, so I don't know. I there the movie has its moments. I certainly cringed a couple of times. There's a scene involving dental torture, which that's my man. If you want to get me like covering my eyes in the theater the way that you talk about like you can't take watching a horror movie if something happens to a person's teeth i go insane so old boy yeah a little bit um more so the dentist yeah which is like with corbin birdson (laughs) little shop of horrors (laughs) oh yeah well no no but i mean like when you have like close-ups of teeth getting like drilled oh my god and like, that's your thing. Yeah, that's, that's my weakness. And like, it's funny because Corey always makes fun of me for it. She's like, oh, I don't really, that's nothing. I'm like, well, about eyes. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. No. I and, and, and look, eyes are, you know, having eye torture close up, it's pretty bad. Something about the teeth gets to me more. Sure. I mean, I'm not, I can't say I'm bothered by either of those, but I know there's got to be something where it's just like. Something that will get you one day. I think I have had that moment. Remember when we watched that movie with the train oh organ harvesting i we won't talk about what exactly happened no 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 no. but i i think maybe that there's something in there that i can't stand so organ harvesting gets to you no no no. i mean (laughs) i've i don't even remember that but i'll think about it all right um (laughs) if you want to know andrew's deepest (laughs) fear tune into the next episode of the wages of cinema podcast Uh, yeah um yeah, and since we last talked, God, I watched a lot of movies. I, I saw the uh, From Here to Eternity for the first time. Good. Which was uh, pretty awesome. Um, I watched uh, um, John Wick 2, or John Wick Chapter 2, speaking of Keanu Reeves. John Wick 2. If you like your action, you will like this movie. That's Good. basically my review for it. This movie has a lot of amazing action, especially if you like the first John Wick. Um... And also a nominee for Best Foreign Film. By the way, I'm Not Your Negro's uh, nominee in documentary. Uh, well, then I'll have something we'll to, cheer, to cheer for. Yeah, I also saw a, a couple of foreign film nominees uh, to mention really fast. I saw this movie called Tony Erdmann, uh, which is from Germany. And the great thing about this movie, and the, the, here's some CNN breaking news. Jack Nicholson's returning to movies. Good. He's going to act in the remake of this movie. Which is all about this... Oh, wait. Did you talk about this last... We've talked about this before. Maybe not did on I? the podcast, but you mentioned Erdman? it. Tony Erdman? Like, we talked about Jack Nicholson for some reason. Well, I talked about how I want him to do at least just one more movie before he completely signs off as an actor. Okay. And hopefully this could be it. Now, again, would I have preferred something that, that wasn't like a remake of a movie that just came out? Sure. But this movie's kind of interesting. It's, it's very funny in spots uh it's about this father who wants to basically cheer up his daughter who's kind of this miserable uh so he sends worker. her to a sanitarium <laughs> with a gothic facility and all the black people in there are it's weird <laughs> no it's not a horror movie um, and hypnotism with a spoon yes um 
Just, yeah. We got an incoming bulletin. Sorry. Uh, so, be, yeah. Uh, in this movie, basically, this, this woman's this uh, corporate person. And she's really miserable at her job. And her father basically goes around with this wig and false teeth. And will pretend that he's this other guy named Tony Erdman, even though it's not his name. And like she'll like she'll be at like the like a bar with her friends or something. And all of a sudden he'll just kind of he she won't even know he's there. He's just kind of like in the background. All of a sudden he'll turn around and be like, "Hey, how are you, bo- girl, ladies, doing tonight?" And we'll start having a conversation with them. And you can see that the daughter's just like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" <laughs> And the movie's full of a what? lot of... I am not your father. I yeah. am totally urged <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and that ke- kind of keeps happening throughout the movie. There's a lot of nice warmth to it. There are some very outrageous moments that I can't really mention because there might be spoilers. But it's a very European to movie. But re- are a remake? I am. I think this could not have potential. Just because Jack Nicholson's coming back? Well... That's that's that that's a case for me to be joyous. I was so excited when I saw that news because I was just like, please let him do one more movie, and he is good. So yay for that! Another movie I saw called The Salesman from Iran, uh, which is also really good. It's not called The Salesman from Iran. No, 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 no. It's called it's, The Salesman. Yes, and it's, it's a movie from Iran. Thank you. There for we go. that up. Yes, um, that's also another movie worth checking out. Um, and. Yeah, that's stuff I've watched recently. Awesome. So you, You've been busy. I've been pretty busy. I have. If you guys have been busy and want to report anything to us, uh, make sure to email us at wagesofcinema at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash wagesofcinema. And we're also on twitter.com slash wagesofcinema. And make sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes, where you can find all of our episodes listed there easy to find under our episode numbers and uh also on soundcloud by the way we have playlists so in case you like listening to a particular kind of subject or want to hear all of our guest star matt episodes like you can find them in one location um if you want to binge on matt guest star matt is blowing up at the moment so get in while you can i know man he's gonna be the next uh next like kanye of of podcasts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I shouldn't say Kanye. He's kind of insane. Uh, I should think of somebody better who's blowing up now. Matt Catania, the guest star, is the Beyonce of, there we uh, go. of movie podcasts. Yeah, well, he's that, well, that means he's been big for a while. And he's pregnant. <laughs> yeah, very pregnant. Um, when we come back, uh, we have a... Uh, a gem. Yeah. An unlocked, discovered gem. Not and not to be confused with Gem and the holograms. No, that's, that's, <laughs> you just walked into that. Oh man! You know what? We've got to talk about that again sometime because I know I'm going to see it again someday. We'll watch it together and we'll have along with Bratz the movie. Oh my god! <laughs> we should have like a tenth anniversary Bratz screening. Or Bratz-a-thon. something. Oh my god! Well, no, it can't be a marathon. There's only one. But, but yeah. you, you get the point. Yeah, and my wife well, will be there with Bells tank on. for Bratz. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, God. All right. So stay tuned for the return of What the Devil is That? Well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man. You finished. That's it, man. Game over, man.